This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, let's get today's episode going. Fist bump. Now, Rethink Lead Generation. Rethink Lead Generation. That's Tom Shapiro's new book. He's the CEO of Stratterbeat and just finished reading it not too long ago. Now, I'm always excited when people start off any kind of discussion, any book, anything, quite frankly, about how do we repurpose content? How do we get the most out of content? Not just this one-off kind of strategy. Drives me crazy. Who has the time? I don't. I have no time for anything. So I got to get the most out of my content. I got to get the most out of everything I do. Now, so Tom's going to fill us in. What does that mean? Rethink lead generation. And why in the world are we starting a book? talking about getting all this content out of one content asset. That's what I want to know. Tom, welcome to the show. Fill us in. Thanks, Christoph. It's great being here. Yeah, so uh, just released Rethink Lead Generation, as you mentioned. Um, And the whole book is really centered on the idea that, you know, you look at markets today and they're all saturated with, with competitors Uh, and audiences are much more sophisticated than they were even just a few years ago. And, uh, and so it's just much more challenging to generate leads. Uh, you know, you know, there's just so much noise out there that you have to fight through. And the book, uh, walks you through how you can use creativity, how you can use, uh, lateral thinking and how you can use marketing innovation in order to transform your lead generation results. And so why do we want to center on creativity? Why do we want to center on lateral thinking? Well, if you think about it, creativity really is like the ultimate competitive advantage. If you have mastered creativity and you've injected that into everything you're doing in your marketing and your lead generation, then uh, it's it's a strategic advantage, it's it's a sustainable advantage, and it's something that no competitor can match. Uh, it's, it's really the only differentiator, if you think about it, that cannot be different, uh, that, that cannot be commoditized, right? And so, um, uh, you know, if, if you're looking at how to transform your, your lead generation results, if you're, if you're just following best practices, for example, right, which most companies do, a lot of companies out there just follow best practices, uh, you know, what you're going to find is there's a lack of differentiation because there's a lack of creativity, right? Uh, by the very nature of it, if you're following best practices and your competitors are following best practices and everyone is following best practices, you get lost in a sea of sameness, right? It's just very difficult to break through and differentiate. And that's why creativity is so powerful. Uh, you know, you look at studies by McKinsey, by Forrester, mm-hmm. by Tenovos and others, they all point to marketers who inject a lot of creativity and prioritize creativity and focus on creativity drive greater business and financial performance for their companies. I want to dive into what is creativity to begin with, but 
um, you know, you say audiences are more sophisticated and, and maybe they are, um, but the, the grumpy old man in me says, you know, maybe they're just more annoyed. You know, we don't have time for crap content, content really annoying to people. And I mean, that's at the end of the day, you know, I don't have time for crappy content. I don't have time for annoying emails that are just trying to sucker me into a conversation it's, you know, that I don't want to be in, you know, I don't even have time to talk to my wife on some days. Like I want to talk to you. I don't know you. And, you know, you're just like, oh, can I, you know, can I, um, might you be interested in talking to me? No. Like, who are you? So do you know what I'm talking about? And you, in your book, you talk about account-based marketing, which I'm a big fan of SEO and content marketing. Um, why? I think if, if you go out to a marketing conference and you say, what would the first two chapters be? In a lead generation book, and I think they are the first two chapters, close, the first after you got into some of the, the highlights, um, why would that be content marketing and account-based marketing? Like, I don't think people would say that as a, at a marketing conference. They would say, oh, no, 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 we got to do, uh, we got to do ads. We got to do this. We got to, you know, run a billboard or, or whatever. Now I'm really getting, turning into the grumpy old man here. But why are those two topics so top of mind in, in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in my mind and in our research, you know, advertising really is, you know, think of it as renting an audience. Uh, you know, you're, you're paying for a click. And as soon as you stop paying, then your leads go to zero, literally to zero if you stop paying. If you reduce your budget, your leads are reduced. Uh, and if you're not generating a loyal following through this, you know, you're, you're basically just, just uh, paying for a, a shallow lead uh, and uh, probably not one that's going to drive a very high lifetime value. Now, through SEO, through content, you can provide a tremendous amount of value in your brand touch points, much more than any advertising or sponsorship ever could. And so by going deep, for instance, if you do original research, and I talk about this in the book, it's one of the most effective forms of content. It's one of the most effective forms of driving organic growth. Uh, is to use original research. You can use proprietary databases. You can use public databases. It doesn't matter. But, but you translate that into original research and it's something unique. It's something new. It's something that adds tremendous value. It's something that the media is very interested in. And so it, they act as, as an additional marketer for you. They act as an additional salesperson for you in promoting it and getting the word out, expanding your reach. Uh, and that adds social proof validation, also provides external links back to your site. Fantastic for SEO. And so, um, you know, content and SEO is a fantastic way to add a lot of value with your brand touch points. ABM, we love ABM. And one of the things that we love ABM uh, for is because you can customize your brand touch points so much. So with ABM, for anyone who's not aware, it's account based marketing where you're drawing up your ideal prospect list. So if you could wave a magic wand, who would you be working with next? And that might be 100 accounts, might be 200 accounts, might be 500 accounts. And then you target those accounts repeatedly, month after month, you know, whatever cadence you're on uh, to be communicating when, with them. But the, the, the idea is that you, you understand each account, you study, you research, you do whatever it takes to find out what challenges each of those accounts have. And then you customize your marketing accordingly. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, think of LinkedIn and I'm sure all of you 
have the same experience that I have. I am inundated with these inbound inquiries. They're all the same. 99% of the inbound messages that I get uh, in LinkedIn are, are roughly the same. They're all generic. They're all boilerplate. They know nothing about my business. They've done no research. They know nothing about our challenges. They know nothing about our goals. And it's all just generic. And I'm sure they blast it out to thousands of people. That's yep. not effective. ABM is the exact opposite of that, where you're customizing. It's We call it customization at scale. So I'll give you an example. How do you inject creativity into ABM to achieve customization at scale? So one of the things that, that we've done for multiple clients is we've launched literally 100 or however many it is, 200, whatever it is, 100 or so knowledge hubs, right? All on the same day for our clients. And so what is that? So we're in B2B. And so our, our clients might be targeting 100 or 200 accounts. Each of those target accounts, you know, it might involve a very detailed uh, long cycle sale. So it might take three months to make a sale, it might take six months, it might take a year for any of our clients to make a sale to one of their target accounts. And so we want to start building that relationship. So one of the things we love doing is creating a knowledge hub so that they can be imparting all of their knowledge, all of their value add, all of their insight for their target accounts. And then we customize it. So when their target accounts hit the knowledge hub, it's branded for that target account. So for instance, let's say it's IBM that they're targeting. You know, it, it, it's mm -hmm. for IBM. It's, it's, it's labeled, it's branded for IBM. We'll put a video up at the top of the page that speaks only to IBM. It cannot be shared with any other account. But here's the secret. How do you achieve this at scale where you are launching 100 or 200 or 500 of these? You want to customize maybe 20% of it, but then the rest of it can be the same as long as they all are in the same industry or have the same business challenges, right? And so you make it feel very, very customized. And some of it is very, very customized to the account, but then you can make it more practical and more scalable by leveraging information across the other accounts. So, um, yes, that does make sense. And one thing to always keep in mind is, you know, they have to be in the same industry. They have to speak the same language. And one of my favorite stories still is when I was in a lift in um, Nashville, Tennessee, and my, my driver said, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a musician. And I almost wanted to say, what vertical? And of course, that's not what you say to musicians, right? They're in genres, not verticals. Um, so there is different language you know, in different industries. So just make sure you get that language right when you do that. Now, you talked about um, creativity, prioritizing creativity. Uh, of course, we've, we've had Seth Godin on the show talking about creativity. Other people have talked about creativity. How do you do it? What's the format? You know, all those different things. But when you say prioritize creativity, what does that even mean? Because you know what? Yes, I would like my guardrails. Here's the story I want to tell. Here's who I'm trying to reach. But I also think creativity sometimes has different processes for different people. You know, as Adam Morgan of Adobe said, some people need to think about it. Some people just need to go on a run and they think about it while they're running. It all depends. We're all different humans. So when you say prioritize creativity, how, do, how does that actually look in practice? Yeah, yeah. So... One thing that we're a very strong proponent of is brainstorming and a lot of brainstorming. Uh, you know, there are lots of different ways to inject creativity into your marketing and your lead generation efforts. And we detail that in the book, but brainstorming is one example 
that I talk about in the book that is fantastic. And I've been doing this for, for years and years and years, you know, even in a prior life at other companies, um, really prioritize a lot of brainstorming. And uh, there are ways to do it that are very effective. One, you know, you want to be very, very specific with the challenge that the team is going to brainstorm on. Don't come to the brainstorming session uh, just with something vague because then, then it's very difficult for the team to come up with very concrete, tangible, actionable ideas. Uh, another thing that, that you want to do uh, is uh, cross-pollinate ideas. So you want to look at what are other industries doing. This is really critical. And, and this is a thing that, that we see a lot of companies miss. They're so siloed in what they're doing. They're, they're in a conference room with you know people they've been working with for years and they're all working together. So they're all very like-minded. Uh, but what you want to do is look to the outside. You know, talk to partners, hire a consultant even to, to just come in and facilitate the conversation. But you want this is a necessary ingredient in, in brainstorming and creativity is cross-pollination of your concepts, cross-pollination of ideas. Um, there have been research studies done showing that in immigrant, uh, I'm sorry, in cities, in cities or other geographic locations with high immigrant populations, the number of patents that are filed and registered is much, much higher than in locations and geographic areas with lower levels of immigration and immigrants, uh, which is very interesting. But it, it brings up the point of cross-pollination of thinking, cross-pollination of ways of approaching challenges, cross-pollinations of, of marketing itself. And so, the, you know, that, that's a really important thing that, you know, I would say I see a lot of companies missing that step. They skip that step, but that's really important. And then, okay, let's say that you are brainstorming. You have lots of ideas. How do you prioritize those ideas? How do you know which ones to pursue? Let's mm -hmm. say you have 50 ideas that, that, you know, your team has generated. Well, which ones should you actually execute, right? That's also a big challenge that we hear from many, many companies. They have ideas. They have no idea like which ones to do and they get paralyzed, right? That it's analysis paralysis and they never actually execute. They never have that backbone. They never push the chips into the center of the table and actually do something bold, right? And really, you know, it's all about being bold. That's how you get bold new, new results, right? Um, and so what we do is we have a matrix and I would recommend that you develop one of these for yourselves. So we have a matrix that looks at all the different ideas and we assess each of the ideas according to how easy is it to execute, uh, how costly is it to execute, what's the timing, how fast can we execute this, what's the revenue that we can expect to generate from this, and then we tie all of that together in coming up with a projected ROI from the effort. So there's five elements, right? It's, it's ease, it's cost, it's speed, it's revenue, and it's ROI. And when you do this, when you come up with a matrix like this, and you're in a brainstorming session, and after the session is over, you know, you get to evaluate all of these fantastic ideas, it becomes crystal clear which ideas are viable and which ones are your best ideas. I'll give you an example. If you have a deadline coming up, you need a, a fantastic campaign before a conference that's coming up. You have a, there's a drop dead deadline then speed is going to be very critical in that matrix, right? In other cases, like we talked about original research and how powerful that is in content marketing and in SEO. Well, if you don't have any specific deadlines, then that's not a priority in the matrix. And maybe ROI is the bigger priority that you're going to look at there. Uh, and speed is not a factor. And so 
this matrix is fantastic. It's very flexible and it works for whatever your priority is, whether you have a specific budget, whether you have a specific deadline or whether you want to look much more strategically and much more long-term. So, um, yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell, how we would approach being yeah. as, as creative as possible. So uh, that's what I love and hate about events, whether they're virtual or in, uh, you know, offline, um, there, there, there's a deadline. It has to be done at the time of the event or it's not going to work. Right. Um, right. The, the, on the other hand, what I like about content marketing and, and SEO, it's an ever going um, project. Right. So, I mean, you have to keep publishing, you have to keep updating, you have to analyze what's working. Drives me crazy, Tom, when people want to look at SEO numbers every single day, because there's probably not a lot of change unless, you know, sometimes something might take off for, I don't know, maybe there's a news event and somebody found your study or whatever on the topic. So that can happen. But when you talk about ROI, I, you know, I'm a content marketer practitioner, practitioner, and I have been for a while, content marketing practitioner. And the ROI, it's not as easy to measure as, you know, running an ad, like you run an ad, you either make a conversion or you don't, unless it's a branding campaign, and then you just look at how many people saw it. So how do I measure SEO and content marketing in that context, especially since since you're saying those are really important, which of course I agree with. Yeah, so measurement and focusing on conversions is really important. And so we love the idea of incorporating many CTAs into any content that we're generating. And so, you know, the SEO is, is what attracts someone to the content. Once they're in the content, uh, you know, have more than one CTA. We, what we see a lot, especially in B2B, is a lot of text, reams and reams of text. And then at the very bottom, there's one CTA. That's not the way to do it. That's not creative at all. What you want to do is incorporate uh, contextually relevant CTAs, calls to action throughout the piece. So, uh, you know, maybe at the top of the page, maybe you can point them to related deeper dive types of content or even just related content that they would find really valuable. And maybe as they work their way through your content, uh, you know, there's a relevant case study that you can point them to or a research report. And yes, down at the very, very bottom of the page, that's where maybe you, you do invite them to talk to sales or you invite them to sign up for your mailing list. Now, what you also have to do is test, test, test. You need to be testing your, your CTAs all the time. We do a lot of A-B testing. Uh, one of the tests that we've done specifically to CTAs within content uh, and content marketing, right? Uh, so we ran a test where we waited until uh, people were reading the blog had scrolled at least 70% of the way down the page of a blog post. And our blog posts are very long. We do a lot of long form content. You can read all about the value of that in the book. It's, it's really, really powerful. Um, so someone is reading and reading, and reading, they're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. To us, that means they're engaged. They like the content. And so we hit them with a, a behaviorally triggered CTA to sign up for our mailing list so that they can be notified of new blog posts and new content, things like that. If only if they have scrolled 70% of the way down a blog post. So when we instituted this one change, this one change alone to a behaviorally triggered uh, CTA after they've scrolled 70% down the page, we increased our mailing list opt-in rate by 300% overnight, overnight. 
It was a huge change. So what I would encourage you to do is not only have lots of CTAs and contextually relevant CTAs, um, but to also, you know, you want to make sure that you have behaviorally triggered CTAs based on their digital body language, based on what they are doing on your site, trigger different CTAs. Make sure that it matches the digital body language that they are showing. Well, that drives me crazy. When I come to a new site, I found through a search for something I'm looking for. And the first thing they do is they hit me in the face with a pop-up to sign up for their newsletter list. And maybe I will, maybe I won't, but I don't know anything about you. You know what I mean? Like, let me read the article. So I really like that 70% rule, you know, people scroll down. Now, I think sometimes what people miss here when we say CTAs, they think every CTA is buy, buy, buy. But what you're saying is the CTA can be sign up for my newsletter, read this article. I mean, so I finished an article earlier. It's probably like 2,200 words. And it probably, I should should count, but we don't have the, that kind of time. It probably has 25 CTAs in it, but they're different things, right? They're like, there is a main CTA on the site that I don't do um, that actually invites you to book a demo for the software. But all the CTAs in the article, they're like, read more, go here, listen to this, do this, um, don't know what questions to ask, download this white paper or whatever. So, but if I would say to you, I have 25 CTAs and you don't understand what CTAs mean, I mean, I know you do, but some people don't, and you think, holy cow, you're really overselling things. Like, no, that's the web. People understand what a link is. Um, right. So, Tom, you talk about using your website, and I see, I mean, I've gone on this tangent many times, digital agencies have some of the worst websites, sometimes, not always. Um, you know, they, they try to sell content marketing, but they don't even have a blog. They try to sell podcasting, they don't even have a podcast. They try to sell design, their website looks like it's designed by, you know, third grader. Not all agencies, but there certainly are some out there. And then they say, we're too busy, right? We're so busy with clients, blah, 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 blah. I'm busy too. How do we make our website useful in that environment? And how do we find the time to do that? Yeah, you, you, know, you just have to treat your own business as a client. That's, that's the bottom line. You just have to make the time. Uh, and if you say you don't have the time, then essentially you, you, you know, you're, you're handicapping your results six months from now, 12 months from now, uh, three years from now. And so you have to look at it as critical. It's essential. It's necessary to spend the time on it. Here, here's the thing. You know, what I find when talking with uh, B2B companies for the first time, I'll, I'll ask them a lot of questions about their goals. And most don't have process goals. You know, they might have end goals, but they don't have process goals. It is critical to have process goals. But then here's the key who's responsible, right? You have to have responsibility. You have to have some type of an accountability system in place where you know who is responsible for what, by when, for your own agency. And in terms of making sure you're getting business value out of your agency, you're getting tons of leads out of your, your agency website. Here's what I want you to do. Implement IP detection software. It is like magic. It's amazing. Uh, we It's the first thing that I look at every single morning. Every single workday, I'll go and I'll look at our IP detection analytics. And what this does is it will tell you who is on your website, right? And so what I like doing is, uh, you know, I get real-time alerts from the software, but then also 
I like just looking at, okay, past 24 hours, who's been on our website, who's qualified, who's not. And then we will research the, the relevant contacts at that company. We already know exactly what they were looking at on our site, right? Because the IP detection software will tell you which pages they went to, how long they were, they were there, the exact navigational path. It gives you a lot of contextual information as to their intent. So do they, are they expressing buyer intent or were they just there to, to check on one thing? They Googled it, they found the answer and they left right away. That's not buyer intent. So we want to first filter for buyer intent. So for instance, maybe they checked out your services pages. Maybe they went to your contact us page, right? That's more showing buyer intent. And then we want to find the relevant contacts at that company and do outreach to them. So even if they don't submit a form, even though they, they're not handing off an email address, we can still use our website as a very, very powerful lead generator, right? And we've generated seven figures in incremental revenue just from this process alone of using IP detection software and then just doing outreach. Now, here's the key with the outreach. Do not be salesy. Don't even mention what you offer. Like just reach out to them, right? And just ask if you can be of help. You know the specific topics of what they're interested in because you've seen it through the analytics, right? It will tell you exactly which pages they were reading, right? Which pages they were on, which pages they were spending a lot of time on. And, and so focus there. Focus on what they're interested in right now. And so think about it. You're going to be hitting them up with a message, which is very, very helpful. Just ask them how you can help, how you can be of help in this one topic area that you know they're interested in right now. And it's, it's amazing. It's not going to work every time. It doesn't, nothing works every time, but the hit rate is high and it's, it's exceptional because you're starting from building a relationship and you simply have a head start in knowing what topic they're interested in. So what I would recommend is don't be salesy, just be helpful, just reach out and literally ask how you can help and you'll be generating leads before you know it. Interesting. And, you know, I think a lot of people talk about being helpful, but then when it, you know, in, in practice, we're probably a little bit too pushy when we start talking to people. So very interesting um, model to kind of make sure that works in real life as opposed to, you know, theoretical, theoretically. So, um, of course, our um, episodes go by super fast. Really appreciate you making the time, Tom. Um, everyone check out his book now available on Amazon. Um, thanks for sharing your tips and um, writing another great book. Thank you, Christoph. Really appreciate it. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.